Welcome to this episode of CTU Speaks. Solidarity is epic. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher. Chicago teacher. Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher. So I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. So welcome back to another episode of CTU Speaks. And today we have something special for y'all. A brand new, fresh episode from two months ago. What? That sounds crazy. But it's not. That's because back in early March, we recorded an interview with three educators from Epic Charter School a week before they were supposed to have a vote to unionize. Unfortunately, the pandemic landed in the U.S. that same week and that vote didn't happen. However, since you can't keep people down for long, in the last several days, the educators at Epic learned the vote had now been cleared to proceed. But that's only after CTU fought off Epic's demands that educators risk their lives to vote in person rather than a mail-in ballot which is crazy, but we fought it off and now the vote's gonna happen. So today we finally bring you the interview from more than two months ago about why the educators at Epic feel so passionately about joining the CTU. But first we're gonna speak with Gabby Snyder, an educator at Epic Charter School, and Casey Sweeney, a CTU organizer who's been focusing on organizing non-union charters across the city for quite a while and about how the pandemic delay had affected the organizing drive. Thank you guys both for joining us. Yay. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining us. Awesome. Yeah. So I was wondering, like, first and foremost, like, what is this National Labor Relations Board and why can they tell you guys, hey, there's a virus so you can't vote? Yeah, that's a great question, Jim. Um, Charter teachers in Chicago the rights that they have as workers are under the National Labor Relations Act. But that law is what legislates the workers' rights that charter teachers have because they're considered private sector employees. Okay. So that's different than CPS mm-hmm. district teachers and staff that are under the Public Sector Employee Relations Act. So the pandemic hit, their offices shut down, and the way the law is written, it, it gives the employer a lot of opportunity to delay. Ugh, uh, and in that time that they have to delay, they have ways that they can try to persuade and campaign against the union. Um, okay. We were not anticipating that those delays would take uh, two months. Yeah, I know, right? But they did. We were especially concerned about delays because we have such a high staff turnover that if they were able to delay it until next year, we would have to start the process oh, all wow. over again because right. we'd have so many new staff. So we are just really trying to push it to get it to get our vote in before yeah. the year closes. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it's so has it has this affected the um, the union vote or your efforts to organize or I guess I should say, how is it affected? Of course, it's affected it, right? Um, Well, Epic, uh, we had to go to court because Epic wanted us to go and vote in person instead of doing a mail-in ballot. Wow. Yeah, apparently so. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and that clearly wasn't going to work for staff. We have staff with young children, staff with asthma. Like, it's just not obviously a really bad idea. They tried to argue that um, mail-in ballots weren't. very accurate because some people's mail might get lost or something and they might not have the opportunity wow. to vote. So the, so the post kind of office where they, might mess it up. Is we did. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Um, but we did get a ruling on that recently. So we're scheduled to vote this okay, month. Great. Uh, That's right. What's the exact date that the votes will start? How um, the, the days that the um, votes will mail out and when you have, have them returned? Yeah, we're lucky that the Labor Board uh, was reasonable and denied Epic's request to force teachers and staff into the building while schools nice. are closed and there's a stay at home order. But it was a decision that took many, many weeks. But May right. 29th, ballots will get mailed out to all the workers who can vote. Um, they're able, if they don't receive those ballots in a week by June 5th, they can let the Labor Board know to make sure they get a ballot sent. And ballots are due back on June 24th. So just okay. kind of coinciding with the end yeah. of the school year. And we'll get to watch those ballots get counted virtually on July oh, nice. 1st. Oh, that's now, very who's cool. counting those ballots? It'll, uh, a National Labor Relations Board agent will count those ballots, but the union has a right to observe the count, as does the employer. But a lot mm -hmm. of charter schools are especially non-union um, non-union charter schools are always talking about, hey, it's good. We don't need a union. We know how to talk to our bosses. You know, a union keeps us from growing. Um, why start a union at Epic? What's the necessity? Um, we recently had a huge turnover in leadership. We had a new principal and a new vice principal and a lot of veteran teachers left. And we were unable to maintain any of the structures that we had. Um, and historically, we always have high turnovers. So we need a way to make sure that the structures that are good for our kids stay there, no matter which people filter in and that people want to stay. All right. So during this shutdown, have the anti-union forces that are out there, either at Epic or otherwise, have they used this to try to derail the effort there at Epic and complicate things for you guys? Yeah, this this is Gabby. I would say they definitely have. They've taken advantage of it to try to isolate people. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they can choose who come, who joins a Zoom call. They did a whole thing where they only invited certain people. They called oh, it town wow. hall meetings, but they were only inviting about five or six people at once. And even in those meetings, the chat wasn't viewable by everybody. No one's faces could be seen. No one wow. could speak. Um, we even had asked if we could all be invited and they said, no, they said that it was better yeah. in smaller groups that we could ask our questions, get our questions oh, answered yeah. when really no one was getting their questions answered. What they didn't right. know is that we had our own group chat. So people were taking a pictures, pictures of the questions that they were answering and posting it in the group chat and no one's questions were getting answered at all. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great technique of, of the management, you know, the divide and conquer thing, make you think you're the only crazy person that has that problem. I mean, that, that happens at, at our school still, even with the union. They'll be like, oh, nobody else minds donating their 15 minute prep. Nobody else minds doing right. this. If you only cared about the kids, mm -hmm. you know, they try all that BS. And then, you know, that's crazy. I didn't even think about that, you know, with the, all those features on Zoom, you can mute people, you can not yes. allow them into the meeting. That's true. That's exactly. nuts. I didn't even think Mass about that. Mass manipulation. Yeah. They've also been calling up people and saying that CTU is like lying or twisting things. Um, so that's much easier to do when they're just, you know, one-on-one -on -one with somebody instead of, of if they had to do it in front of multiple staff members. What is the um, National Labor Relations Board and what role is it having in moving forward the vote or delaying it? Yeah, this is Casey... Uh, the National Labor Relations Board and the National Labor Relations Act is the law that um, grants workers the right to organize in the private sector. Um, 
It came about in a time of militant worker unrest Mm -hmm. in the 1930s, and and it codified into law the rights that workers have to organize because they wanted to stop workers from going on militant wildcat strikes. And so over time, that law has really skewed in the favor of the employer, but it, it is the law that dictates labor relations for charter schools because They've ruled that charter schools are private sector employers, even though they are public schools. And so they operate in the private sector in some ways, but in the public sector in others. Um, and so the labor board, it's, it's just the, the board that exists that we have to go through to get a union um, recognized in, in Chicago charter schools. Yeah, I mean, that's, there's a lot of rules we got to jump, uh, hoops we got to jump through because of these rules. And, you know, that's one of those things that it's that's not the exciting part of organizing is did you make this rule? Is this deadline at the right time? Did you file the paperwork correctly? Yeah, this is Gabby. We did have recently have a bit of of a um, obstacle because the NLRB um, ruled that our security staff who are vital in student socio-emotional growth and do a lot beyond just security weren't be eligible to join a union with us because they're considered guards instead of like teaching staff members. Um, The staff, the Epic staff was just devastated about that because like, I wouldn't be able to do my job without them. And, and Epic is holding them to the same standards as teachers. They have to hold video conferences and make a ton of phone calls just like teachers do, but yet they're not eligible to join our union for the students that we all care about. Right. Um, back in 2012, CPS did that with, uh, with CTU as well, where they pulled away, um, the Sikas. They used to be part of the union. Yeah. Uh, we used to have everybody part of it. And, you know, my view has always been anybody who has any contact with a student during the day should be part of the teacher's union. I, I don't agree. care if you're janitorial staff, your lunchroom staff, because, you know, the kids connect with different people around the building. Maybe they don't like me particularly, you know, of course they like Miss Parker, you know, because everybody <laughs> likes Miss Parker. But, of course. You know, on the outside chance somebody didn't, maybe they'll connect with one of those people that are being considered a guard at your school. Right. And, you know, they should have the same protections and ability to, to work that the, that the teachers do. Um, this is Gabby. I've definitely had students tell me that they connect with certain security staff members the most out of anyone in the building and that they're the only people they feel comfortable with. I've even had students that if I know they connect with a certain security member, I just talk to them about talking to the student because I know they're going to get further with them than I could. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. We're all a big family in the building and sometimes one family member is better at dealing with stuff than another. And I always knew you don't talk to dad. You talk to mom when you want to be able to go out because dad's not going (laughs) to let you go. So, you know, And again, this is just the first, this is the first step. We don't know if they will, you know, be later initiated into the union and what the, and how the laws will change. So we're going to be hopeful for the um, custodial staff for the future. Yeah. And I I mean, and we gotta, we gotta make sure we're fighting against all these corporate people that are trying to privatize our schools. Um, Just recently in the New York times, I was reading the other day, um, DeVos it was trying to divert. Um, I can't, I can't remember the exact number. It was in the New York times, um, uh, about a week ago. Um, uh, she was trying to divert all this money to private and religious schools and to some of the charter schools. And, you know, that's one of her big, 
pushes has always been for charters and and part of where her company business or her family business is from. And, you know, we got to watch for this because it's coming from all different sectors. It's not just, you know, people here in Chicago and in the neighborhoods. It's at the federal level within our own government um, who's supposed to be trying to protect the private sector or the public sector. Uh, and they're not, and they're trying to divert this stuff away. And I really, really appreciate you guys and everything you're doing there. And uh, is there anything else we can be doing to help support you guys coming up to the the vote? Thanks for asking that, Jim. <laughs> this is Casey. I guess I just um, want to highlight and have Gabrielle share too, that despite all the ways that Epic has tried to delay and campaign against the union, mm-hmm. her and her coworkers are stronger even stronger than they were when we first filed and when uh, the original podcast was first recorded. And so maybe she can share a little bit more about that. Yeah. During remote learning, I think teacher unity is especially clear because when admin is uncertain and unorganized about things, um, teachers have really stepped up. Like anything useful I've had about remote learning has been from other teachers running professional development, taking their own time to learn more about Google Classroom or recording lectures. It has not come from admin at all. So we've been strong in supporting each other in this period where we're really unsupported and like spending our own personal time and, you know, money to provide resources yeah. for students. That's great. Um, I would also say, I mean, We know realistically it's easier for all of us to just leave Epic and go teach at other schools that are already strong or already have unions, but our students don't have the luxury of leaving. So we can't just leave them. We have to try to form a union to make the school better for them because our education is our responsibility. So even if we fail, we can't just not try, you know, it's what's doing right by our kids. Exactly. Well, and that sounds like so that much. sounds like the voice from a real teacher. That's a, that's a true teacher, and that's we we doing all this for our students. And people just always think there's a disconnect that teacher issues does not affect student, and that's they right. do. All right, our our priority our priorities are our students' priorities. Exactly. And as far as additional ways to support, this is Casey. The Epic teachers and staff have uh, launched some of their own social media for their union. Mm-hmm. You can. Find the Epic Academy Union on Facebook or Epic Union 2020 on Instagram. Uh, and you can always check the, the CTU website, ctulocal1.org slash Epic, where we're posting continuous updates. That's great. And we'll put links to all that in the show notes for this episode. So anybody who's listening that would like to get more information on that can click down there and be connected with our wonderful organizers there. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. So now we're going to bring you our original interview from March about the key issues driving Epic educators to join the CTU. So today on the show, we've got three teachers from Epic Academy High School. They are trying to organize a union over there with that charter school. What do you think about that, Ms. Parker? I am pro-union. Every school in Chicago needs to be unionized, even the private schools. Even the private, everybody should be unionized. Everybody. Everybody. 
unionize the world. That's, That's it. what it should be. Solidarity forever. Solidarity now. You know, I saw the picture of the whole group of teachers over there at Epic, and it reminded me of a few minutes ago when I first started teaching. It was more than a few minutes ago. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember back then I used to have some hair mm. and I just thought about all those people they are starting off and they look so excited yeah. and so fresh. And the, the stories that you hear coming out of these charter schools, they're just crazy. Scary. It is. And it's weird because they don't even know how bad it really is. They know it's bad, but they don't know how bad. Right. And it's just really nuts about that. And it started me thinking about like what it was like when we first started teaching. What was it like for you? Uh, I was I was excited, and I remember getting approached by the delegate at my school, and she said, "You need to, you know, join the union." And all I was thinking about how much you all taking out my check. Exactly. And she's like, "Well, this is the amount, but it's okay. This is what you're going to receive, and it's worth it." And I was like, "Yeah, whatever." But I still signed it, yep. and I uh, I didn't really appreciate it until a couple of years later when I started seeing um, just the influx of school closures and right. things like that. And I was like, wow, this is why a union is important. Right. So sometimes you may not understand right away, right? but you know, you will see it. The fruit of what our union does. Yeah. I mean, the same thing kind of happened to me when I first started. I was, I was always pro union, but I really wasn't very involved in CTU at the time. Mm -hmm. And it probably helped that at a certain point, our delegate was Karen Lewis. Oh, and wow, she, right. she, she wasn't was. playing that. She wasn't right. playing me not being involved. So she came up and was like, Starles, you better come over here. She said it a little stronger. Are you shaking in your boots? Yeah, right? I was. I was a little scared. <laughs> if you've met, met Karen, she can be she can be intimidating. Right. And uh, she taught right around the corner from me, taught chemistry right uh, two doors down from mm. me. And she kept telling me how important it was and why I was critical. And we had a big fight in our building about who the delegate was going to be. She won out, obviously. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, that's what kind of first organized me into getting into union activity. Awesome. Awesome story. It wasn't until I would say about four years into teaching that I got more involved in the Chicago Teachers Union. My school was closed at the time. I was at a school named McCorkle that's located on 44th and State. Um, developers started building condos across the street. And that year they said, oh, our school is not fit to be under enrolled. Is that their word? Yes, they need to be demolished. Um, oh, damn. Our principal sent requests annually that our roof needs to be repaired, but to no avail. Um, they, they thought they said it wasn't that bad. It can wait another year. But then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like, nope. The roof is terrible. Other structures in the building are not working properly. It needs to be condemned or demolished. But it's still, it's still up. But um, <laughs> so we fought over it. You know, we of course we organized. Um, we had people from the union come down and march with us, um, go to the board meetings and the hearings of that nature. But they still said the school needs to be closed mm, after they build condos across the street. And so um, that followed. So I was very upset. I really started seeing like, wow, more, you know, union representation and like, wow, I, love, I, I was so excited at those hearings because all the um, evidence that our school and the people from the union were saying that uh, why I should not be shut down. I was just like excited. Like right. they, they're not going to shut the school down because evidence is overwhelmingly right. in our favor as to why they shouldn't shut it down. Just fix the roof. It's okay. And I and so they shut it down anyway. I'm like, this is a mess. I like yeah. something is wrong. Like it don't matter what we say, mm -hmm. the decision has already been made. Um, and that's when I went to another school, the turnaround school, Curtis Elementary. And they were looking for some new teachers and some veteran teachers. Um, they opened a school. There was no delegate. And I will say um, somebody from the union came out and said, there's no delegate in this building. You all need a delegate. And nobody volunteers. So I did. And that's when I really started seeing just 
things going on outside the building mm. um, and things I did not was not aware of. I realized that we were working uh, um, in an unfair manner. We were working 15 minutes past our contractual time. Wow. And also, I was I was a prep teacher. Um, but what does all that the, mean? What is a, a prep, prep teacher is like, you know, um, specials like with, you know, art gym. I was a writing specials teacher because writing was still important back then. It was a what? tested subject. Oh, my gosh. And so because it was a tested subject, I taught uh, writing to third through eighth grade because it was a, like, graduation or a promotion requirement. Okay. Um, but classroom teachers, not only do we work past our 15 minutes of contractual time, but classroom teachers had to monitor their students during lunch. <sighs> and again, once I found all this out and I started reading that contract, like I'm, you know, organizing meetings and my principal at the time was trying to tell them they don't have to come to the meetings if they have any issue coming to her directly. Yeah. So it was like an ambush and I'm, I'm new at this. I'm a novice at this. Um, but anyway, they, uh, they realized they were wrong. We, I, we uh, filed a grievance because she was not trying to hear it. Uh, we won money back, we won $60,000 back, uh, but it was a struggle. But right. I really started saying that we have to fight because this is um, this is not just administration. This is some things all the way from the, the board. Yeah. And we have to fight because this is systematic. And if we don't yeah. say anything, we're going to keep getting manipulated right. and playing that sympathy card. And all teachers, all these new teachers were there saying, well, we got to do this for the kids. Right. It's a turnaround school. That's why they got fired because they weren't here for the kids. I'm like, that's not, don't no. do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, you know, I didn't like all the teacher bashing. Right. And it was, so it was like, be it for the kids. You got to do more. You got to stay late. You got to come early. You got to come on the weekends. And even I was manipulated before I came with that. Like I actually yep. came to work on Labor Day because they wanted these wow. rooms looking a certain way. They wanted curtains in the room and they wanted plants and flowers and all these things in the classroom. And I did not know better. Right. And so when I became a delegate, you know, you know right. better, you do better. Exactly. So that's how we got involved in the union. And we're about to hear from three young activists about wanting to start their own union. That must be crazy trying to start a union from nothing. And joining up with CTU that's super organized and well-run and well-managed and all that kind of stuff about how they're going to be able to get those rights that they didn't even know they were allowed to have prior to that. Right. It's going to be an epic process and an epic oh, victory. wow. Epic. All right. So we're here with some of the organizers from Epic, and they are going to introduce themselves to us and tell us a little bit about what they're doing there. My name is Martha Rubin. I'm a SPED teacher at EPIC. I currently uh, co-teach in three grade levels and have my own self-contained science class. Hi, um, this is Alexandra, and I'm a paraprofessional at EPIC Academy, and I've been working there for five years. Um, I have worked at basically all, all grade levels from freshman to senior level, so I transition into different contents um, and different subjects with the students. Hi, my name is Gabrielle Snyder. This is my second year at Epic. I taught college careers and skills last year, and this year I'm teaching both honors and regular 10th grade English. Wow, college careers and skills. Okay, cool. So thank you all for being here. It's awesome to have you all here. And I know yeah, that you is. are with Epic Charter School, which has been a charter school that has been 10 years in existence. So you all want to organize. Why is that? Uh, we initially felt the need to organize because we knew that we could be serving our students and our community better. Uh, we felt that there were some changes that might be good to kind of support teachers and staff a little more. And that would hopefully, you know, transcend to the students, um, provide them with more resources to to ultimately lead to success later in life. 
Okay. Okay. So what lot of people, when they think about charter schools, they know that many charter schools are not unionized. So I'm thinking about what was the turning point where you said talking to our administrator or to our network um, is not working. So what is it that the turning point that said, you know what, this is not working, talking to my principal and getting our needs met as a staff or our students and our parents and our community. When did you say enough is enough? Um, the turning point for me was uh, hearing about the teacher turnover that we have at the school. Um, the past two years have been 50%. Wow. Um, at the minimum. Um, and so to minimum. be able to, yeah. yeah, to have students that don't really have stable teachers um, throughout right. their years. And it, this has kind of led to gaps in content and instruction, which impacts um, which impacts everyone in the school community. Um, this recent year, this past year, we had a complete change in administration. So uh, our executive director left uh, at our assistant principal and principal. And so we kind of started the year off with a whole new, whole new administration, which has been a struggle with 50% new staff too, to kind of keep our systems yeah. in place and, and ensure um, that we're serving our students. Uh, but ultimately I think a lot of the structures and stuff that, uh, that led to that lack of teacher retention were, were issues that kind of, from what I've heard have been an issue at Epic for, for a while. And so people were kind of hit there. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I'm curious about. So why you think the teacher turnover rate is so high? Why are teachers leaving when you said 50% being the minimum? Yeah. So, well, first of all, I agree with Martha. I think that the turnover rate is, was probably the turning point for a lot of us. Um, and I think that a lot of times the teachers, I don't, I feel like they don't have a voice. Um, we individually have gone to the principal specifically to the assistant principal and we have addressed a lot of concerns but such as what like what are some some concerns that you all have at epic or yeah so for me particularly um i am in the classes with 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 students with special needs and we oftentimes well in the beginning of the year we didn't have a teacher for three of our life skill classes um, and as a paraprofessional, I saw myself leading the class mm-hmm. and I'm not quite certified to do that. Right. right. So I was really frustrated because I was coming up with lessons for them. I was keeping track of their grades. I was doing basically everything that a teacher does for three of those classes. But not getting their and pay. No. Correct. And when I and when I addressed that, um, they basically told me that they could not give me a stipend or anything because that was illegal. Because I was not teach a class that you're not certified. Yeah. So to me, that was like one of the big biggest turning points because I just remember asking um, the director of special services. I'm like, well, listen, in three of our classes, three out of the four life skill classes, there's no teacher, there's no sub, and there's no curriculum. So what are they doing in there? I was taking lead. You so you teach all the classes. (laughs) Those three. Those three. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what I got it? reprimanded for taking over. They're like, that's not your job. So then I do remember asking the, getting frustrated and asking my supervisor. And I'm like, okay, well, can I ask you what my role as a paraprofessional is when there's no teacher, no sub, and no curriculum? Correct. And she literally just shrugged her shoulders. Wow. And kind of like said, I don't know. That but doesn't I'm like, sound but if very helpful. if my supervisor helpful. doesn't know, then how do you expect me to know what right. my role is? So just to, just to be clear, so you're saying that when, um, when you were talking about teacher voice, you are in a classroom, mm. essentially the teacher, because there is no teacher or curriculum. So no you're designing the- curriculum for a special ed program for which you're not certified to teach, mm-hmm. but you can't get paid for it because you're not certified to teach it. 
Correct. Okay. Were there other people in your position that probably had to take on some role this caliber? Yeah, I think that like after I started giving a lot of pushback and I'm like, you know what? Then I won't do this. Then Correct. I'm I'm just not going to take part of that because that's just not fair. They kind of wanted to turn it into like, hey, well, if you want to do it, you're more than welcome to. But that is not it's not your responsibility. So they kind of put me in a situation where I felt like they were making they were saying basically if you want to do it out of the kindness of your heart, sure. then do it. Wow. Because these are the students and you ultimately care about them. Exactly. Right. So they made it seem or they made me feel like if I didn't do it, I was not a good person. Correct. Because there's, you know, there's the sympathy card. Correct. So mm-hmm. I, I know here in CTU, if if this happened to Miss Parker, for example. It won't. Right, I know. <laughs> that's, that's why it won't happen. Because it's Miss Parker. But... If, if something like that were to happen to a teacher in the Chicago Teachers Union, we've got referrals to the SPED committee. We've got a SPED task force that works on this. There are grievances to file. We, we can get actually get the, the legal department here at Chicago Teachers Union to fight for those teachers and make sure the kids get the minutes they need. What would be the recourse for a teacher at Epic currently? I currently teach the um, fourth class um, of the life skills students. Um, Mm -hmm. When things are brought up about the need for like support in that class, um, the adequate number of paraprofessionals, um, a curriculum, some sort of coaching when it comes to teaching, uh, that's never kind of taking place. Um, And it's kind of just brushed off like, well, this is the state of our school right now. We're short staffed. That's how it is. Um, There's never really a A resolution. There's no resolution. And then, a common thing that we hear with um, within our staff is that we constantly feel this this pull to either be an advocate for our students and do our jobs that we that we're here to do and be retaliated against, or uh, be okay with the status quo and kind of compromise our morals. And right. that's something that a lot of us are um, are frustrated with and don't really want to continue with. Just another example to tie it to Gabby. Um, she currently teaches tenth grade English, um, a really important content and grade level. Um, and she does not have a co-teacher. Um, so she serves her students. Um, it's just her in the classroom with all of them. Um, and we have a lot of contents like this. So our 10th grade math and English do not have a co-teacher and our 12th grade math and English do not have a co-teacher in there. Um, same with our ninth grade biology. So just the lack of bodies in the room really impacts all students because we, we can't do our modifications and give our services which is the law, which is, which right. is the law. Right. Yeah. Supposed to do. So the fact that we have like three, we have three SPED teachers employed at the school currently. Sure. Um, we have a total SPED population of 133. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Our um, director of specialized services does take on a lot of those um, cases, which is very helpful. However, ultimately we can't manage a caseload of over 30 and we can't successfully ensure that our students on our caseload right. and even the students we serve in the classroom are being right. set up for success. So you said 133 students are are need special ed services. Yes, 133 students um, currently qualify for um, our per impact. And what's our, the total population? 493 students total. And you started school with how many students? I do not recall the number exactly, but it was somewhere around 400, uh, 550 that were. Okay. So it's so like a 10% drop in in half the school year, almost. Yes. And so you think that attributes to the lack of qualified teachers in the classroom or what, what do you think attributes to that? Um, personally, I just, I think 
parents and students see what's been going on at the school. Um, the A lot of fantastic teachers left last year. Um, and that's kind of, it's left a lot of vacancies in our, in our building, especially when it comes to leadership as well. Um, and the incoming administration had to deal with that too, which is challenging to, to have this kind of upheaval of staff to kind of that leave and, and you're left with kind of this bare bones of a school, um, parents see it, students see it. And then, um, they pursue other options because they, they know that they're out there. To build off of that, this is Gabby. Um, the people that we are lucky enough to hire in the middle of the year get thrown in without receiving proper onboarding and support. Right. A lot right. of them are yeah. first year teachers and I just don't want them to feel inadequate or feel like they can't fulfill their dream of educating and inspiring students because we're not setting them up for success. So another teacher and I, we volunteered to run an onboarding, which we had to jump through a lot of hoops to organize just to give some teachers a little bit of background, whatever we could before they started. Right. And still they aren't getting coaching support like they're supposed to be. Are there any coaches in the school? Like do you have reading coaches, math coaches? Do we, you have that on staff? We used to have a really strong coaching system, Mm -hmm. but we kind of threw people into the roles. The schedule doesn't even work out. Sometimes coaches don't even have common preps or can't even observe the teachers they're supposed to coach. Wow. And then people aren't overseeing that to make sure that's being carried out successfully. What's the student demographic at the school Are they, um, as far as racial background, um, socioeconomic status? Yeah, they're pre- predominantly African-American and Hispanic. Um, but I just wanted to kind of build off a little bit on what Gabby said earlier about coaching. Um, like I said, I've been there for quite some time, five years. And on my third year, the principal which was the founder, um, had to leave Epic for personal reasons, which was understandable. But then we transitioned into a new principal. And then that following year, um, I guess they were not able to work really well with her, some of the teachers. So the entire entire senior team ended up not renewing their contract. And they were a very strong team. And then the following year, the entire... Um, administration, basically, and coaches, they didn't come back. So I feel that like Epic has suffered a lot of hard hits. Right. And it shows um, because because of that, we have a new principal. We have a new assistant principal. We have a new director of special services. We have new coaches or quote unquote coaches who try, put it some effort, but it's not the same as the system that we had in place five years ago. So I feel like it really shows in the performance of the students, um, attendance. So in so many areas, I feel that the school is really struggling, which is why we want to create this union and, and have, and basically establish some of the fundamentals that we originally had in place without a union before. But somehow that has kind of disappeared. I don't even know how, but I know that like Epic has suffered so many hits that somehow we just got caught in between. I don't know. Like, I don't even know how to explain it, to be honest. Right. So when you were talking about starting a union and you've got all this turnover and all this turmoil at the school, 
What do you think about organizing the teachers there and being part of a larger group? How would that help the situation, do you think? What would make that not occur by giving teachers voice within the school? How would that change how would fun- you guys fundamentally work on a day-to-day basis? Um, so for me, I think that like it would establish and solidify certain rights that we should already have. Right. Um, and we, I feel like we often get deprived of having a voice or it just basically becomes less of a priority. Right. I think that they're focusing too much on, in my opinion, on like the wrong things, like how the school looks, the, you know, right. just like the image of it and right. the idea right. of once being a one plus school. But the reality is that we're no, no longer a one plus. What is um, your rating? Right now we're at uh, two, two, right? Plus. Two plus. So we often heard at administration claiming that they were working on issues that we had in the beginning of the year. But I feel like we're somehow still struggling halfway through the year right. and nothing has really been resolved. Right. You see no light at the end of the tunnel. I don't. No. Right. I think that we're made to feel like we have the right to give feedback and that we have a voice. We're asked at every meeting to give feedback and at all my grade level meetings, there's an upward feedback segment, but our feedback doesn't go anywhere. Right. Even when we're all giving the same feedback, even things like testing that happen multiple times throughout the school year, it'll happen again and the same things will go wrong because right. our feedback is just ignored. Even when teachers are allowed to sit in on interviews, even if they want to hire someone. Recently, we had we have a vacancy with the director of school safety and culture the teachers that sat in on the interview really wanted to hire some members of that uh, round of interviews, but admin just didn't hire any of them and wow. didn't give them any explanation or update them on why not. That's terrible. And we just had that vacancy for a really long time now. Right. So we're back to the teacher voice thing again, mm-hmm. that they they give lip service to it so you guys can play like you're grownups and can have some kind of voice in your own community and your own expertise but then when it comes down to it, they know better and they're going to do whatever they want to do. And I want to circle back to something we had talked about a little bit earlier about the loss of population at your school. Somebody had mentioned earlier a little bit about um, the attendance issues and wanting to have a certain attendance rate. And how does that play into how we decide which students are going to be at the school, which students aren't at the school and how all that works, uh, particularly looking at how you said they're really concerned about image. Um, I would say one struggle we especially face is our um, student recruitment. Um, okay. It's it's definitely an issue across the city, and especially being a single site charter, it's understandable that there's um, it's hard to do, and it's hard right. to do right before like over the summer, right before school starts. It's challenging. Um, what I think we struggle with is is we enroll students that we are not fitted to serve. We don't have the resources to serve a lot of our students, um, but we're kind of told to make, make more with less, um, which is the reality of education, um, especially public uh, urban education. Um, it's not fair, but that's what it is. What we found is as years go on, we consistently have to make more with less and it reaches a point where we can't, we can't. And, um, we kind of going back to the idea of like our student body kind of declining. Um, we, we lack a lot of those those basic school, I guess, activities and and infrastructure. Mm, yeah. yeah, we we lack those systems and routines that are that make school successful for students. Um, and so a lot of times we find our students 
falling through the cracks. Um, and I personally think it's a lot of it has to do with our staffing. Like we find our SPED students falling through the cracks. They haven't shown growth right. in two years because we're not serving their needs, but right. we're told we have to with what we have. Right. It's not possible. And you've got over a quarter of your population is special needs, which mm-hmm. it, that, that makes it a significant portion of both budget and resource, like a human resource that you need to the building. Absolutely. Um, we also have a pretty uh, significant population of, of English language learners too. And that population oh, wow. is growing. Um, and so uh, one thing that I frequently hear from students is there's like a lack of engagement of students that, that don't speak um, that don't speak English as well as their peers. And it leads to a gap, but it also really impacts school culture. Um, mm-hmm. We have kind of a divide between students and between kind of, there's a lack of communication throughout right. throughout the organization and, and students and families and teachers feel it right. and staff as well. They can't be part of that whole school community. Mm-hmm. And that's right. one thing that students do uh, note frequently is that we lack a school community. Um, um, even though we're kind of made to feel like we're, we're supposed to serve our students the best we can with less resources. Recently in a meeting, we were actually told that we wouldn't be evaluated based on how our students with IEPs did because they weren't getting their minutes. So it was unlikely that they were going to show growth. So it's kind of horrible to accept that as oh something that's just going to be that we're just going to be okay with for now. So they know there's going to be a problem. So their solution was they're not going to judge you according to it. Not the solution is to help the kids. Okay. Yeah, currently I know that some of our students are uh, special needs students. In some of their classes, they're not even getting grades. Wow. And wow. I think that they're losing motivation and they're yeah, becoming course. increasingly frustrated and it shows. And they should be frustrated. I right. don't blame them. And But it's also like something that I, I, I often try to to calm them and say, hey, you know what? Like, this is not your fault. Right now we have, we have a substitute taking the role of a teacher right? and you're not lear- learning anything, but you know what? Like I try to support them as best as I can. Right. And I know that we have a, like in general, we have a strong team because there's a lot of teachers that do care, but I do think that like it circles back to not having the resources and right. just getting, getting basically, um, yeah, just just been told like, hey, you know what? You just kind of have to work with what you have. It is what it is. The school year is almost over. And that's just kind of like the motivation for us. Right. Hey, the school year is almost over because we know that we're not going to have a solution anytime soon or at least mm-hmm. not in this school year. So, yeah, I just I feel really bad for our students. Right. They're not even getting grades. <laughs> I feel bad for them, too. I yeah, just think too. about them because this is high school. Yeah. This is not elementary this is high school and they're about to graduate. And so I think about just basic life skills and then going to college, filling out college applications. And people always say, well, the research says that many, you know, college students have to take remedial classes and teachers are always getting blamed because of the lack of success in adulthood of our students. But as you right. see, this is, this is a structural issue. Um, it's not a teacher issue. And we right. are constantly telling the public that, that we as teachers are doing our best, um, but that it's over our head. We're asking for better, we ask for more resources, more programming, and we're not getting them. So it breaks my heart because I teach middle school and I see my students who are special needs go to high school. And this hurts me that some of the high schools they go to, they're not getting the skills they need to have a career or a job in the trade field. It just bothers me. And it's not at any fault of your own, but just this is no. what our system thinks of our 
minority students, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the frustrating part is you know, we hear this from administrators all the time that if we just cared enough, we would be able to take care of these kids. And it, my caring enough doesn't make me a special ed teacher. Doesn't make me understand how to deal with that. That's not what I was trained for. And, you know, I always give the example of, you know, if, if my kid breaks his leg, me hugging him isn't going to fix that. I need to bring him to a trained professional so he knows how to fix that. And it's very frustrating as teachers to be in a classroom where our kids aren't getting the services. We know they're not getting the services. And the all we're hearing is, well, if you just cared, you'd be able to do this. Just a kind of personal anecdote. Uh, earlier this year, kind of, we we realized the need for more teachers. We needed more SPED teachers last year too. Um, this is something that really frustrates all staff in the school because to be honest, it impacts everyone in the building. When we have students that aren't in their correct learning um, environments, these restrictive environments, um, when we have students that aren't receiving the paraprofessional services they're entitled to, who aren't receiving um, their minutes in the co-taught setting, um, that impacts all students because there's more frustration on the part of the students that are not being served and getting their legal services. And then also on the teachers who feel like they're not adequately trained for this, but that that's not their job. Like they're not supposed to be doing both the job of the SPED teacher and the general education right. teacher. There's a reason that we have these supports in place for students. Um, and it's, it's frustrating for, for teachers to, to feel that they're um, to feel when they bring those concerns to administration that, uh, that it's not an option or that they're doing too much to, right. to try and, um, to try and support their kids. Um, and then even for like the paraprofessional and, um, and special education staff to be told that, uh, you care too much, right. um, is a very frustrating thing to be told because that is our job. Our job right. is to care too much. And we, we are asking for things that we know they deserve, but we're being told that that's not something that's, that's possible. Right. which it, we know is false. We know the funding. We know you receive student funding based on their right. enrollment and their, um, and their special needs. And, and the be, fact that they receive services. Yes. And yep. so you keep accepting money. these students that yes. have special needs Correct. and special that are diverse learners. And so yes. we, they need more support, yep. but they're not receiving that because they're just a paycheck. Right. And if you bring that up, then it gets back to the thing that you were talking about, worrying about being retaliated against. Absolutely. And, and one, of the, one of the best parts about being part of, of a greater institution like a union is that, you know, the principal may be mad at me, but there's nothing they can do about it. If I go and advocate for stuff and then they try to retaliate against me, that's actually illegal. It's an unfair labor practice. That's correct. And the union has brought a number of lawsuits against principals and the district for unfair labor practices because you can't do that. There's, there's laws set up that you cannot do anything against someone who is there advocating for what is union activity that's protected. Yeah. And to go off of that, one thing that we see would be a benefit to our school culture to have a union is it kind of takes it takes that barrier away from yeah, how teachers fear. and staff interact with the administration because a lot of the times the administration is just doing what they're told to. And so they want what's best for students. That's why they, well, that's why people go into teaching and go and climb up that ladder in schools. And so, I mean, I personally see it as a way that we can be better as a whole right. building um, to make sure that students are getting services and getting their mandated supports because administration won't have to fight that. That's right. already guaranteed to us. Yeah. When did you all start actually organizing your school to unionize? So uh, this is actually kind of, the process has started a sure. couple of times in the past okay. um, from what I've, from what I heard from staff members that did stay. Um, 
this officially kind of got off the ground. Talk started in spring of last year. Sure. Um, and then kind of developed and it kind of snowballed. Um, what has been some of the pushbacks or apprehensions among teachers or even administration in regards to you trying to unionize your school? So the biggest pushback we've had from teachers is kind of why now? Why right. why with this new leadership? Sure. Um, Good question. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, a lot of our staff are new, and so they right. didn't see what it was like in the past. They didn't. Sure. They haven't seen what strengths we really, really have, and what areas of growth there always were. Um, and so, I guess a lot of that is just not knowing the how it's developed over time. Um, and a lot of us don't. Like, I'm. This is my second year here, so I just I know the one year change. But even talking with people that have been there for the whole ten years. Um, a lot's different, um, a lot's better, but also there's a lot that could be done to make sure that we're serving our students the best we can. Mm-hmm. People may think that this kind of movement is against our current leadership. However, a lot of the issues that we faced at the beginning of this year weren't because of them. Right. They came into this. They were they were dealt this hand of cards. Right. Um, and so to be able to say something and do something to make sure that this doesn't happen in the future right. to the school and it makes the school more sustainable um, is really important to us. Right. Yeah. And I, and I feel that like basically that's since the founder was, he's white um, and he was able to bring the school up to a level one plus, And now the school is a two plus um, a lot of people feel that this might be targeting the principal and the administration because now our team is African-American. So uh, there's this misconception and, we're trying to like get get people to understand that this has nothing to do with right. with with who, the the fact that they're African American or the fact that they're they're women. Like this has nothing to do with right. that. Um, this is all about the students. This is all about getting the resources. This is all about being fair. This is all about teacher burnout. This is all right. about basically making or getting the school back to a level one plus, right. and and staying there and right. staying yeah. there. Right. That's the important thing. And I think that. We need to see past that, the whole the whole fact that, hey, you know, yes, we, we're going to acknowledge that our current administra- administration is African-American, but that is not the reason why we're trying to unionize right. it at all. We're not trying to undermine them. Um, we're trying to work with them. We're not trying to get them fired. We're not trying nothing that's illegal. We're actually right. trying to partner up with them and just have our voices heard. That's basically right. all we're asking. Well, I think this gets back to the whole teacher voice thing. And if teachers don't have a voice, then it were entirely dependent on who the current leadership is about whether or not it works. And this is sort of a, a point of democracy. The reason we don't have a king is because we don't want to be beholden to whatever, if that king is nice to us. We have a system in place. And without the union there, there is no real system that can protect us against people who are good or bad. And there's a process of how we can get better and better and how teachers can advocate for themselves and for their students. And that's, I think, a really critical point. And you'd said something earlier about how there's a lack of teacher retention. And even in CPS, we have a high teacher turnover. But the number you hit me with before, I was kind of shocked. It was like 50%. And that is quite surprising in, in any business, but teaching is especially. Um, why do you think that is? What are some of the, the real problems to recruiting and retaining good quality teachers at your school? Yeah, so I feel that um, a lot of the reasons why there is such a low retention, it has to do with the fact that the school life, they're not willing to actually pay 
full or the the the, the fair amount of salary to, t- for, to for teachers to stay or to even get in the door. Um, I know that there's a there's a story that goes around um, that there's this teacher who wanted to who applied at Epic Academy was a very good candidate and they offered the position. But then when they when he he asked for the salary, he was actually insulted by that number. It's it's sometimes like very, very upsetting because it just shows that they're not willing to invest Right. On people that have experience, people that have the knowledge, people that have the desire, people that have a good track record. Instead, they settle to hire people that are, um, that are under contract, which means that they're basically hired through an agency. If they, for example, if they call off, they don't necessarily have to talk to the principal or wow. notify them. They just notify their agency. Wow. Oh, wow. So they're, yeah. So it's kind of like working indirectly. They're working indirectly at the school. Mm-hmm. Right. That's never that's um, the first option, I would say to, you know, I feel like that's like an alternative or that should be like the, a small percentage of yeah, our, our staff, but it shouldn't be a no. big number and it shouldn't be um, positions that are for co-teachers or lead teachers or sped teachers. I feel like another reason would be that they don't offer raises. So, wow. for example, I have been there for five years and I've never received the raise. Wow. Did you ask for one? Yes. And they said and, no. Wow. No, they just said that they, just to wait and they wanted to see how I was and they would check in with me at the end of the school Which year. Which is a no. Oh my Basically God. a no. <laughs> wow. Wow. So like in, in CPS, we get step raises for every year that we're there. And then there's a contractual raise that for the next uh, five years of our contract is going to be about 3% a year plus whatever you get for having that extra year in the system. What you're saying is that in the five years you've been there, you're still making the same dollar figure you're making today as you did five years earlier. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. With the exception of the cost of living, right. but that's just within the taxes. Right, 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 you know, right. it's, it's, it's not an actual raise. No, exactly. And when they present that, I, I just remember when they present that um, at the end of PD, they're like, hey, you guys, we were approved for a 3% or a 4% raise. And they, they expect us to like snap our fingers or, you know, to clap and be happy with that. But I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's not okay. Especially if you're starting at a salary that people thought was insulting. I can't even imagine how low that is. Teachers already know we're not going to get paid a lot. And for me to be insulted by a salary way lower than what I already thought the low salary was going to be, that's that's crazy. crazy. So now you're on the precipice of this huge vote yeah. on whether or not we you all should unionize. And I think just yep. basically what on what all three of you all said, I don't see why there's any reason why Shouldn't anybody should check a no. Yeah. Um, but just... In case there is, is there anything other than what you all stated on teachers who still may be unsure or on the fence on why they should check yes and um, for, to unionize? What would you say to them if they're still on the fence? I personally would say that a union would basically bring a nice balance of power. Sure. Nice. We're going to have a voice and we're going to have a lot more power to to negotiate and to say, hey, this is what I want in my contract. I don't want an at-will contract anymore. Or for me personally, it's called an agreement. It's not mm. even a contract because wow. I'm not a teacher. Why am I even a contract? Right, it's not a contract. I'm a paraprofessional, so I'm yeah. not worthy of a contract. Oh, wow. wow. But, you know, I feel that like being in a union is going to give me a voice. Is I'm going to have some sort of say on what goes on that contract mm-hmm. and just feel more empowered and feel more secure. Job security if that's their concern, I would say that it should be the opposite. It's going to secure my job and it's going to secure a raise. Right. 
there's no reason why I should be against that. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is happening really quick and really fast. So what can we do to support you? Because everybody's going to want to know what can we do to help Epic be Epic? Um, and we will be so grateful for that. Of um, course. What you could do to support is go to ctulocal1.org slash epic. Nice. Um, you can find information there about how to further support us. Um, if you also know people that are community members, family members, students, um, or even staff members, just reach out, try and try and pump them up. Um, we have a long kind of road ahead of us, but yeah. we're very excited for it and the good it can do. Thank you all so much. Thank you guys so uh, much. We support and applaud yes. your efforts in yeah, organizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just really showing teachers around the city of Chicago, whether um, charter schools, that they do have a voice and they should be heard mm-hmm. because your voice affects our student education. Yes, it And does. we definitely need you. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, that was a great episode, wasn't it? That was a great episode. And I hope that if you are listening, that you will continue to listen and tell your friends. Mm-hmm. Please subscribe to the podcast and all your podcasting platform we really need you tell your friends oh and we're going to give a shout out to erica williams my awesome co-worker at fools elementary thanks for listening now tell your friends if you have any suggestions comments concerns don't hesitate to call the podcast or ctu speaks at 312-467-8888 we're also available at ctu speaks at ctulocal1.org